Everybody, welcome to Pretty Scary. <sighs> Pretty Scary Boo? I think so. I'm Adam yeah. Todd Brown. I'm Caitlin Cut. Uh-huh. Yeah, that all sounds right. It all adds up. I think this yeah, is ha- a new episode of Pretty it's, Scary. In my notes is what what I have for us and this. We're here. So, Caitlin, we're here. how's it going? <laughs> uh <laughs> This is So my husband has COVID, uh which Honestly, he has a mild case. I am convinced the vaccine like is working miracles in my family because oh, yeah. his symptoms are like basically gone at this point. He never lost taste or smell, which I feel is like that's good. Really, really good. And then also Jack, my son and I didn't get it. And I'm not I don't want to say that my I am a pro co-sleeping family. It's just that my son refuses to stay in his bed for the full night. And we so Ah. which is to say all three of us for that week that my husband was infected, were asleep in the same bed and he's the only one that got it. So, well, that's good. Yeah. It's not good that he got it. It's just good that he's the only one who got it. Well, he would agree with you on that. He was we were. I, I don't care. I mean, like, you know, as a parent, it's just like, well, if I got it, I'm vaccinated. It's fine. It's my son that we're worried about. Here's the thing. Since we've already discussed the silver lining, the issue is that because somebody in our household tested positive for COVID, my son cannot go to daycare for a 10 day period. So he is joining us on the podcast. <laughs> Eventually he will come in. I can tell you even before Adam hit record, my son walked in without any pants on and said he was changing his pants. So I mean, at least he told you and didn't just show up wearing new pants, gaslighting you. Hey, that would freak me out. Yeah. You know, especially since he's not good at putting on his own pants. So I would have been like, what is going on? Like, where's the ghost mom in the house? Clearly there's a ghost mom in the house. The only rational obviously explanation. Um, So yeah, wild wild week for Caitlin. I'm doing great, and I can't wait for all of you guys to hear my son inevitably walk in while we're recording. So, And I can't wait for people to hear this story we're talking about today. Dude. You were I not am, familiar with this. I'm, I'm surprised. I have not heard of this story, and obviously I, I know about it now, and I'm upset. <laughs> it's inf- it, This is one of the most this, infuriating this is really, murders really, of all time. Really not okay. Like, no, there's and, n- no excuse for for what's happening in this story. Yeah, it it dates way way back to the early 2000s, and I think we maybe touched on it in an episode or two, or I've probably just mentioned it because the first time I heard this, it was just burned into my brain. Forever. I knew his name, yeah. and I, so like I knew I knew this person, and I knew that this was a police officer. That's all I knew. And I mean, there are a couple cases floating around these days. I, you know, I, I yeah. assumed I understood what the story was, I guess, but I did not. Yeah, it. the reason I'm we're talking about it this week is I think it speaks to a thing that's in the news a lot right now, which is not just the Gabby Petito case, but also the disparity between the coverage of uh, cases like that that involve white women and cases like this one that involve people of color. I do kind of think Gabby Petito is the wrong example to use there because that uh, case, yeah, regardless I, of race, has some crazy ass twists and turns. I have major issues with that criticism regarding this case in some ways. I'm not saying that, look, any opportunity to have this conversation about how people of color don't have coverage in cases like this, I'm all for. But to say that Gabby Petito's case is not newsworthy and not really bizarre, completely an outlier, the guy, I mean, I am convinced, I know Adam and I are going to cover that case later, but there are pieces of that case that are completely off the off the radar weird. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, a crazy story. Like every disappearance is newsworthy yeah, to some extent, but in a lot of cases there just aren't enough details for it to become the kind yeah. of national news that Gabby Petito is. That said, that disparity does exist. 
It I 100% would, exists. I would also, even argue like Lacey Peterson is a good example of that. There wasn't anything that interesting about Lacey Peterson, especially when you take into account most murders are committed by a family member or someone close. So there was no reason for that story to be as huge as it was. I also do think that the Gabby Petito story needs to be talked about because it's a conversation about domestic abuse, which, you know, like, okay. So if we're going to talk about God, what was his name? Chris Watts. Okay. Chris Watts, that story was bizarre because there was no domestic abuse. That guy literally snapped and snapped in the worst ways possible. And it's a horrible case. And I think completely newsworthy. And I actually think the documentary done on it was really, really well done. Um, But what I'm trying to say here is that this case is important because of how often domestic abuse leads to women being murdered by their partners. And that that's important (laughs) to talk about. Um, Totally. But at the same time, a hundred percent, that disparity does exist. It it's, it's not even, there's no argument. It very much exists. And this story is a good example of it because if any story deserved to be nationwide news for weeks and weeks and weeks, it was this one. And it really was, it, it was not. Especially early two thousands. Of course it didn't. Right. I mean, like, and the other thing I want to say at the top of this is I think people would be very surprised to hear. I want to say it still is, but I'll say last I checked the number one demographic of missing people in the United States is black males. Yes. Yes. So that never, ever gets talked about ever. Sure. Doesn't (laughs) ever, 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 ever. Uh, These, these men go missing. They are reported, which is why we know that this is, what the demographic is. And um, this story, one leg of it, we'll say, uh, is a really great example of how how these get treated, how these missing persons cases get treated by people of color. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's also a, this particular case we're going to talk about, and I swear we'll start talking about it in a second. Why? Is, Let's, this is great. It's a really good example of what it's like being a poor person. And having to deal oh, with the criminal justice system. Oh boy! Because that's huge. That that's one of the main issues here. Yeah, among others. But the case where cases we're talking about are the disappearances of Felipe Santos and Terrence Williams, who they were both almost certainly murdered by a cop named Steve Calkins. Well, we know that the last person to see these people was Steve Calkins. <laughs> We know that. Yeah. If Steve Calkins was married to Terrence Williams, he'd be in prison right now. Yeah. (laughs) He would absolutely be in prison. I don't know, though, to be honest with you, with the Dem... In 2003 is like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, to be totally honest. And it's it's a story that's been kicking around since 2003. Uh, Lots of twists and turns along the way, uh, but none that have resulted in any sort of justice or this case being solved. Lots of stories about it online, and there are a whole bunch of true crime episodes about it, which is where I first, that's actually how it came back into the public consciousness was true crime shows started covering it around 2012. Right. It's been on Disappeared, which if you're on Disappeared, you know you're fucked because Disappeared never ends with anything other than, I don't know, who knows? Ah. I've seen one episode of Disappeared that ended with the case being solved, and it was a woman who's who was in a car accident, and her car went off the side of the road in a way that they couldn't find it, and she survived in her car for like a week. And that's the only episode of Disappeared I've ever seen that ended with any kind of conclusion. No. Yeah. If you are, if you get a call from a true crime producer, something in your life has happened and I feel sorry for you. I'll just say it that way. Oh, for sure. You get, you get a call from me. (laughs) You've, you've been through something. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that's the only reason that particular episode of Disappeared exists because otherwise like it's such a nice breath of fresh air where there's one episode where the person lives and is found, but everything else like this case, it is uh bleak. I don't think we really like spend much time, uh, 
processing how many missing people there are in the United States alone. Hundreds of thousands. Like it's it's a staggering amount. It's crazy how people just vanish. Yeah. And and I think I think the other thing to to say is that because certain demographics or whatever get picked up and become these national stories and become national obsessions like Jean Benet Ramsey, that's an obsession. There are some oh, yeah. people that yeah. are obsessed with that case. Uh, and not just a small portion of people, but a lot of people. I think it gives us the impression that this doesn't happen very often. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, you know, and the truth is, is that the reason I can and I can say this confidently, um, the reason why most true, you know, these disappearance cases don't get a lot of attention is because they're either the families do not want to talk to the media Um or the media doesn't know how to reach the families. Now that last statement, you can, we could spend a lot of time unpacking, Right. right. <laughs> you know, um, and media often uh, won't cover stories if they can't have some participation with law enforcement, with the, the facts of the case. And that there is where a lot of stuff gets totally sideways. Right. Yeah. There, and I think in a lot of cases, this, this case specifically. Yeah. And the thing too is, with a disappearance, sometimes you just don't know anything. And then exactly. like, what is anyone to do other than say, this person's missing? Can you, if you have any information, but you have to like, not so much with the media, but yes, with the media, but definitely with true crime stuff, they're still trying to make entertainment. Granted, it's entertainment out of people's huge suffering and, and misery. Huge, huge point. I mean, the sad fact of the matter is you're so correct. Some of these cases, there's no story. It literally is. They went out one night, never came home. What I will say is this story. Not I think this story. <laughs> I think this story and the grim sleeper story are both examples of how when a missing persons case goes uh, involves a person of color, how extreme it has to be for it to become news at all. There's no question. And in this case, man, is it extreme. It, it the details of this are Yeah. Well, let's bonkers. let's do it. Let's, let's talk get into about it. it. Let's get into it. Uh I will tell you that we'll link to a Medium article by a writer named Jen Baxter. Seeing as how Medium says the article is a 28-minute read, uh I think it's probably the most detailed rundown of this case. But like I said, there's also true crime episodes about it. Uh, Anderson Cooper covered it. So it got some attention, but certainly not the degree of attention that it should have. Uh, It starts with a guy named Felipe Santos. He was a Mexican citizen who moved to the United States in 2000 with his wife, Apollonia, his two brothers, Jorge and Salvador. They entered the country illegally, uh, hoping to find job opportunities as most people migrating here illegally do, uh, unless they're fleeing some sort of destruction that we wrought on their country ourselves and then get mad at them when they show up. Whole other sorry, podcast. What, wait, wait, what? Yeah, huh? whole, whole other thing. I, don't, I, I lost the thread. I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Can't be us. Go on. No, definitely not us. Okay, cool. So Felipe was a construction worker, but where he moved to in Florida, there weren't a ton of construction jobs. So he worked as a farm worker for first couple years then he and his wife uh, she she's pregnant it's their first child and he's like well i have to make more money so he finds a construction job but it's like 30 miles away which if you grew up near la like caitlin did that probably sounds shocking because if you live in la and you have a 30 mile commute you're driving about an hour and a half to work each day which i did yeah the nightmare hell on earth but yeah. somewhere like remote parts of Florida, it's 30 minutes. Yeah, it's like 30, 35 minutes and the weather's always fine. So it's not like commuting in the Midwest. It's fine. It's a dream. That's a dream commute right there. My God. <sighs> Problem, though. Yeah. Because he was here illegally, he couldn't get a driver's license, which meant he couldn't register a vehicle or get insurance. But he still had to get 30 miles each day to work. So he bought a car and it was fine for the most part. He he went to and from work with his brothers for months without any problem. Yep. But then on the morning of October 14th, 2003, he's making his commute to work and he's involved in a really minor car accident. 
with Ugh. a car driven by a woman named Camille Churchill. And Felipe and his brothers, who were passengers in the car, they tried to convince her not to call the police because they were worried they would be deported, among other things. But they don't speak English well enough to convey that to her. Either that or she understood what they were saying and was like, no, I'm calling police anyway. But she calls the police. And the cop who responded to that call, Steve Calkins, a 17-year veteran of the Collier County Sheriff's Department. They talk a lot about how this guy just had like a completely clean record, really well respected. Cool. And I wonder if that's true or if this is I'm just I'm sure it's true. Or is it just the first thing he got caught doing? You well, that's not the same thing about whether or not he had a clean record. Right, right. That's true. So, I I don't I, I don't think immaculate records mean much if the immaculate record serves to protect everyone involved, including the people holding the records. Blue Wall of Silence. There's an Unpops episode about it. So according to Camille Churchill, when Calkin shows up, everything's cordial. Like, no, there's no one's raising their voices. No one's upset. Felipe Santos is arrested on a variety of traffic violations. And Calkins tells Felipe's brothers that they're free to go, but when they come back to get the car, the person driving has to have a valid driver's license. And Camille Churchill says the, the interaction was perfectly normal, but at one point, Steve Calkins was like, you know, I'm really getting tired of pulling people over who don't have driver's license. Like, that's, that's the only, like, even sort of out of place thing that happens during this interaction. He, he drew first blood. Yeah. That's it. It's crazy that that like that does seem to be the inciting incident in both of these is that these dudes didn't have a driver's license. Like it's the only common thread, especially when you take into account that he said that at the scene. It's like, you're really this mad about that? My God. We all go a little mad sometimes, Adam. Yeah. I mean, you, everyone gets one time, right? Oh, I'm lit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's how I, it works. I, I'm definitely quoting psycho. <laughs> <laughs> So he puts Santos in the back of his police cruiser and he drives off with Felipe Santos in the car. So Felipe's brothers get a ride to the construction site where they work. And apparently they had a very cool boss because the boss offers to. Dude. Yeah, he offers to post bail for Felipe to get him out of jail, which is a very nice thing to do. So he calls the local sheriff's department to inquire about how to do that. And they're like, there is no Felipe Santos here, which is alarming. I just want a professional opinion. Go out on a limb here, Caitlin. Uh, It's not good. Listen, the views expressed by Caitlin Cut, I mean, I guess they do represent the show because she's the co-host of the show. So we can't really tiptoe around it. I will own my opinions as, let's just say it, unpopular. Whoa. Whoa. Not on this network. Yikes. But yeah, overall, if you expect one of your friends to be incarcerated and you show up at the jail and they literally don't exist, according to the front desk, that's not good. Yeah. Oh, wait, he does exist a little bit, doesn't he, Adam? Well, he does in that. Well, in this case, no, not really. Well, they, they find that 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 Calcus had they, there was proof that he and Calcus had interacted that day. First, they, they call and find out he's not at the jail. Sure. Then they're like, okay, maybe he just wasn't entered into the system. So they call back the next morning and they're like, nope, not only is he not here, but there was also no arrest. So at this point, they go to the, the sheriff's office and deputies there confirm that he wasn't arrested, but he was issued a bunch of citations by Steve Calkins. Right. And so they ask him about it. And he initially said that, or he said that he initially placed Felipe Santos under arrest, but since he was being so nice about it, he decided not to take him to jail and instead dropped him off at a nearby Circle K gas station. You know, as the police often do, go to all that work issuing citations, writing it up, and then going, you know what? Nah, you're being cool. I'm not going to take you to jail. Dressing me out, man. This is stressing me out. This story bothers me. It's <laughs> so highly, much. highly bothersome. Yeah. Because at this point, his family's hoping for the best, but two weeks go by 
and they haven't heard Oof. anything from Felipe Santos. So they decide to go to the police and the police are like, look, he's an adult. He's a allowed to disappear if he wants to and there's no sign that there was foul play or that he was injured or murdered or anything which is what a lot of people reporting missing missing persons here i think just per the beginning of the show i want to circle back and say this is the line that families get literally every day in this country which is this is an adult if they're going to disappear there's nothing we can do about it right which and There was no evidence of foul play, technically. Except the fact that he's Hmm. spotted with, like, he's known to be the last person who saw Felipe Santos alive. I know, I know. And so that's that's the answer they get, is, you know, there's nothing we can do. Uh, Felipe's brothers tried filing a formal complaint against Steve Calkins, which resulted in an internal affairs investigation that cleared him immediately. Speaking of having a spotless record, like there's, there's a long time after this happens that Steve Calkins work record is still pretty clear, which is nuts. Yeah. When, when we get into this next phase of the story, I I have more to say about that. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) I know what part you're talking about, but eventually Felipe's family just gives up and they're like, well, we're just going to go back to Mexico, I guess, because now they're on the police's radar. So they're not going to be able to stay in the country. So that's how the story sits for them for a long time is, well, police said there's nothing they can do, even though a cop was the last person to see him alive. The things that they don't do, in that case, are shocking to me, especially when you take into account one of the things that breaks the next story, which is he gives you a location, the Circle K gas station. Yep. There's going to be video there. Did anyone check that video and see if he really dropped off Felipe Santos? They did not. I mean, not. listen, there's a another portion of this conversation that is about how each really asset of our government state, local, federal, um, decides to take it upon themselves to investigate or invest federal, state, or local funds looking into people who have gone missing that are not American citizens. Right. Yeah, there's there's that too. So, so there's that too. I mean, I that's just unfortunately a conversation that happens a lot. So that's where the case stood until a couple of months later. And by that, I mean the case of Felipe Santos. A couple of months after that, January 12th, 2004, that's when another man, 27-year-old Terrence Williams, was last seen by his friends and family. He was a father of four uh, because of a previous DUI conviction. His driver's license was suspended, which meant it was very hard for him to get to and from work because his driver's license was suspended, and that meant his child support payments had fallen behind. So now he's really desperate to find work. And well, we all know once people make a mistake, they don't deserve to be able to help get their life back together. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to, we're just being clear on that. Yes. Like he's people canceled. aren't allowed to, yeah, they're, they're, they're gone forever. Yes. And okay, cool. Just wanted to be sure I understood that. And in, in Terrence's case, he had a car and it's not like he was never going to have a license. He had this DUI conviction and it was going to be about six months before he got his license back. Which, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. This is another great example of why not having a lot of money screws you in situations like this, because a good lawyer, if you hire them, will sit around and put together a great argument about why this person should be allowed to drive back and forth to work. Right. I know people that have done this. My dad did this after he got a DUI. Yeah, but I've you got to be able. I've worked to with af- people who could yeah. only drive to and from work. Yes. So that's on its own. Really sad. Yeah. That, that this that should be <laughs> anybody should be able to negotiate, especially if they have a family to provide for. Yeah, it, it, this this whole whole story is a really good example of how tough it is to be poor and try to succeed if that's the word for it, in the criminal justice system. I think what sucks about being poor is, like I said, you're not allowed to make a mistake. Not, not right. one mistake. If you make one mistake, it's it's downhill from there. And that's a horrible, horrible thing. It really, really is. It's expensive to be poor. I'm not the first person to say it, but it's just the facts. You know, we. I feel like we could make a pretty scary episode out of this. There is a scandal that happened in Chicago 
recently where someone crunched the numbers on parking tickets in Chicago and basically found that not only did people in poor neighborhoods get ticketed way more, but that the city was ticketing them, impounding their cars, and then when they couldn't pay to have it taken out of impound, they would sell the car and then not even apply the money to what that person owed. That happened to me. It's nuts. When I had like $9 and I had all these parking tickets from, from Long Beach and then they towed my car. And then, I mean, God, once that was started, I, I mean, if honestly, again, if I hadn't have had a family member that was like willing to help me out, forget it. I never would have made my way out of that ever. Yeah. And so, yeah, this, this, this is a, a prime example of that. And being poor often means you also don't get to have fun. And that was kind of what... Not allowed. Not allowed. Kind of what Terrence Williams ran into. Because what happened on January 12th, 2004, he was working, I believe, his second job, which was at a pizza hut. He had just been hired there recently. And his co-workers invited him to a party. And he wanted to go to the party because he wanted, he figured it would be a good way to get to know his co-workers workers better. You know, he had just started Mm -hmm. working there, but the party was 20 miles away, which meant the only way he was going was if his, if his roommate wanted to go also. Well, if he hadn't have made one mistake, then I guess he would have been allowed to go to this party, Adam, but because he made one mistake and I guess we're all very Catholic about everything, he's not allowed to enjoy himself for the rest of his life, which good news, you know, he doesn't. So, okay. Well, that, that is kind of, it all worked out. That is exactly what happens because he does make one pretty big mistake. Granted, the type of mistake a person should be allowed to make without it uh, resulting in them being gone forever. He decided to risk it this one time and drive to this party because, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And so he heads out. Things go bad right away. He eventually, before he even gets to the party, he pulls over and calls his roommate and is like, I saw a bunch of police cars. I just want to get off the road for a minute. I'm nervous. I'm too nervous to drive. And, but that seems like it passes. And he's like, all right, I don't see the police anymore. I'm going to get back on the road. And he makes it to the party. But But. his roommate goes to bed. And the next morning he sees that he had two missed calls from an unfamiliar phone number that both came in around 4 a.m. And he calls this number and it belongs to one of Terrence's co-workers. And she said she wasn't sure why he called, but that the party was a success, went on until the break of dawn, and that Terrence left around 6 a.m. And that is the last anyone saw of Terrence Williams. Actually, no, 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 no. I'm wrong. I'm wrong about that. Right. It's the last any of his family or friends saw of Terrence Williams. Williams. So he doesn't show up for two consecutive work shifts. So now his family is very worried because before that they were along that same line of thinking, which is, well, he's an adult. Maybe he just, he's blowing off steam. Who knows? But he doesn't show up for work. So now they're concerned. They go to that same sheriff's office that Felipe Santos's family went to and they get the exact same response that Felipe Santos's family got, which is- He's an adult. He's allowed to disappear if he wants. There's no proof that anything bad happens, so there's nothing we can do. So his family starts doing their own research, so to speak. They start making a bunch of phone calls, and eventually they find a towing company that has his car. And because they're able to find that, they're able to find the name of the person that had the car towed. Steve Calkins, Deputy Steve Calkins. Mm-hmm. And so, so good news, because now we know who saw him alive last, right, Adam? Yeah. And now we know who to go ask. Yeah. Let's ask him. What does he say? Uh, he says he doesn't remember anything about that interaction. He says he doesn't remember having because for the Terrence's mom calls and is like, hey, this Steve Calkins uh, towed my son's car. I need to talk to him. We can't find my son. And they're like, oh, it's his day off. Which, come the fuck on. So finally the dispatcher calls Imagine, him. Just lie to the mother or something. Don't tell her Yeah. that. And you know? Like, just lie. At least you're lying about everything else. Just be merciful with one of your lies and say, we're on it, ma'am. 
I will do my best to don't tell them that it's his day off. That's terrible. And I, I skipped over a very important part, which is before she makes this phone call, she goes out to the spot where Terrence's car was towed from. And she gets there and she sees that there's a cemetery nearby and that there's a bunch of people working in this cemetery and just on a hunch goes over and asks them if they saw anything. And they're like, yeah, we saw him get pulled over and then the cop put him back in his car and drove off. And then the cop came back about 45 minutes later and your son was not in the car. And then that's when he had your son's car towed. So the mom calls the station and tells him all this. And this dispatcher calls Steve Calkins and he's like, I don't remember any of that. And they're just like, okay, cool. That's what we're going to tell the mom. That's like, what? That's a lot of stuff to not remember. In what job, by the way, can you just tell your boss, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Exactly. Like, I, I like just in a, let's take all of the other loaded elements out of this. I would never just turn to my boss and be like, oh, sorry, I, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't remember. Yeah. And at first, everyone just takes his word for it, even though on that call with the dispatcher, he was like, yeah, I just had a complaint filed against me for something very similar. And I was cleared in that. It's like, how do you <laughs> why would you bring that up? You <laughs> maniac. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. Jeez. And so eventually his his fellow cops that he works with uh, yeah. are like, OK, maybe we should talk to him about uh, this. Yeah. Steve-O is not performing at the level we'd like to see him at. And he's interviewed by a supervisor a week later. And as if by magic, this time he remembers his entire interaction with Terrence. Weird. So crazy. So he's asked to submit a written report about it. And he claimed he pulled Terrence over after it appeared Terrence was having car trouble and had pulled into a cemetery parking lot. He claimed Terrence was worried about being late for work and being the friendly, helpful cop that he is, he drove Terrence to where he claimed to work, which was the nearby Circle K gas station. Same place he claimed he dropped off Felipe Santos. I want to talk to the owner of this Circle K. They do, eventually. And after that, he went back to the cemetery to have Terrence's car towed. That's that's his story. Lots of problems with his account. The biggest one being that this time they do check security camera footage at the Circle K. And lo and behold, absolutely no evidence of Steve Calkins ever dropping Terrence Williams off. I don't understand how you're not at least interrogated harder right at that point. Because like in any other case, police are going to be like, that is a huge lie that you just told us. Why? Well, because if you're drawn to that field, you're a good guy. Exactly. It's, it's like if you want to be a nurse, you clearly trusted medical science. And uh, oh, I get what I get what yep. you're saying there. Yeah. OK. OK. I have a huge chip on my shoulder about that whole issue. I could I could go on and on. But I'm just saying that just because you're drawn to a field doesn't mean you have a respect for that field or for other human beings. Clearly. Right. Yeah. There's, there's lots of examples of that. Catholic priests, maybe? What? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I, retract, I retract You're that just... statement. Yeah, that's yeah. that was out of line. Because I know the Vatican loves our show. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so they even subject Steve Calkins to a polygraph test, which they tell Terrence Williams' mom that he passed. And so it could have just ended there. But this is when she gets the media involved. Yeah, girl. And that is when she got a crazy phone call from the Mexican consulate in Miami. Whoops. And they were like, hey, you, you ever heard of Felipe Santos? Because it sounds like the exact same thing that happened to Felipe Santos. And somehow this jogs the sheriff's department's memory. And they're like, oh, yeah, we did have to investigate Steve Calkins for this exact same thing. Like, eh, six to eight weeks ago. Unreal. And so now they're like, all right, I guess we'll launch an investigation. But for conflict of interest reasons, they call in outside agencies. Good. Yeah, that's that's definitely the smart thing to do. So the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, the FBI, and the state's attorney's office all join in this investigation. And somehow, as if by magic, 
They huh? find a whole bunch of inconsistencies in Steve Calkin's uh, story. Oh, weird. Yeah. Weird, his, weird, weird, weird. His, his fellow co-workers just could not find. A lot of them stemmed from his call to dispatch to have Terrence Williams' car towed. He initially said his interaction with Terrence Williams was so short that he never even got to ask Terrence Williams his last name. But then you listen to the dispatch call, and he very clearly asks for a background check on a man named Terrence Williams and gives a date of birth. One, there was nothing in Terrence Williams' car that had his last name on it. So he didn't find the last name in the car when he went back to have it towed. And the date of birth Terrence or or he gave was a fake date of birth that Terrence Williams would often use when interacting with police. So there's no one else he could have gotten that information from than Terrence Williams. Rolo Tomasi. What? Rolo Tomasi. I don't, well, I don't know. Mm, It's an LA confidential line. Oh, okay. It's same. It's don't worry about it. Somebody is yelling in their car right now. They know what I'm talking about. It's okay. Oh, good. I mean, well, I promise a lot of other people in their car have not seen that movie in exactly. years. And they're like, and I don't know what you're talking about. Two podcasters on this show. Damn right. Mm-hmm. So that happens. His report also said that the car was towed from the parking lot. But in the dispatch call, he said he found the car abandoned and partially blocking the road as if he didn't even know who left it there. He just happened upon it, which that's weird, especially because those same cemetery workers saw him move the car out to the road himself, which pretty big disparity there. Yeah, geez. He also claimed that after dropping Terrence off, he called the Circle K to speak to him because he realized Terrence had lied to him about the the registration being paid for and the receipt being in the glove compartment. So he says he called the Circle K to speak to Terrence, at which point he was told there was no Terrence Williams working there. They check his phone records. That call never happened. The people at the Circle K didn't remember that call. And I think you'd remember that call if someone just out of the blue called and asked for a strange person who was working there. And you're like, "Mm." like, Mm. and again, no video footage of him dropping him off. Also. I forgot this part. The Circle K that he he claimed to have called, he said he looked it up in the phone book and they asked what phone book and that Circle K is not in that phone book. So this man's lying about a whole bunch of stuff. It's crazy. People go to prison for so much less than this. Like, not to bring up Scott Peterson again, but here we go. Is the evidence he killed his wife better than the evidence that this guy killed these two dudes? I don't it's think not. so. It's, it's not really even close. Not. So it's like really this guy could be in prison. I feel like if you took this to a jury, they'd be like, of course you fucking killed him. How about at least get him to trial? Yeah, that's all. I mean, that's uh, you know what I'm saying? Like juries can be whatever they really. I mean, if you look at the Casey Anthony story, like and and frankly, if I'm being completely honest about how I feel about this, at the end of the day, all of this is circumstantial and not beyond the shadow of a doubt, really. I mean, I could see how a jury would take it one way or the other, but at least this guy should be ch- like, this should be investigate, like formally, nationally looked at, you know, uh, I, I have, after years of doing this, <laughs> juries are beyond me i mean sometimes it's it's wild like that's a whole other ecosystem once once it gets into the hands of a jury but to say this isn't suspicious or a big deal is strange we also forgot to mention shortly after all of this he fails a second polygraph because this time they ask him about his specific inconsistencies and he fails really badly at which point he lawyers up and stops cooperating with the investigation i feel so conflicted about polygraph tests though and i'm not i'm not defending this guy i just like i feel like there are people behind bars that shouldn't be behind bars because of polygraph tests and vice versa like i i just think in general it's it should go away like which is which is why it's so frustrating that they didn't roll the dice on arresting this guy I agree. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying people who are in prison behind polygraph stuff. A lot of it's uh, a lot of it's a bad look in a lot of cases. It seems because there's a reason why they're not admissible in court, and it's because your emotions uh, play such a big role in it. But you can't write 
Terrence Williams' mom off on the grounds no. that Steve Calkins passed a polygraph. No. And then when he fails one, go, yeah, there's still not that much evidence. I agree. I'm not saying that. I just think it's such a, it's to me at this point in, in where we're at with even how we look at polygraph data, it's, it's political pageantry at best. It, it only makes things worse either way. Like there is no good that will come out of a polygraph test. Just like it's just like nothing good happens after three in the morning. Don't take a polygraph test. <laughs> yeah. And also, what did they need that polygraph test for? Well, that's my point. It's like, like we have that, that's what I mean is like they the, all of the inconsistencies are there with in in time and space like they're there. It How he feels about those inconsistencies. Don't it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you can confirm he didn't do the things he said he did, which is very suspicious. Correct. I just, I feel like, anyway, that's a whole, we should do a pretty scary episode on polygraph machines because anytime someone gets into, well, the polygraph, I'm like, I I want, want immediately. I'm like, no, this isn't, it's not good. But the fact that he failed it is pretty funny. (laughs) It is, yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of to my point. (laughs) It just, it's like. It's not good. It's just emotion. Like literally it's measuring emotion, which is not useful. Unfortunately, despite all of this circumstantial evidence that mounted against Steve Calkins, they were never able to charge him with any crimes. Weird. Yeah. Very strange. He was fired by the sheriff's department in August, 2004 because he lied during that investigation, but, and he even tried appealing that, but the, Firing. Do we know where he is now? We sure do, Caitlin. He is in <laughs> Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, for the longest time, that was... Oh, that's right. That was, Sorry, I forgot that's in the notes. <laughs> that was the extent of the conse- consequences he faced and the case, I mean, went cold. It's still cold. What I don't know what else we're ever going to find out about this. Because one of the things we're leaving out is this all happened very close to the Florida Everglades, which is a fantastic place to dump a body. One of the, one of the theories about what might've happened is that he starlight toured these two dudes, which means you drive them to a remote location and say, you make your way back to town. And there is some suspicion that it might have been the Florida Everglades. And he just dropped them in the, the middle of there and was like, welcome to survivor. Good luck. And, uh, they died, which very possible. Oh Yeah. The, the alligators. Yeah, the alligators <laughs> okay, I, alone. Like, Yeah, that's a very real thing. Yeah, aside from having like a stable of pigs, I don't know that there's a better way to get rid of a body than dump it in the Everglades. Why are you giving away our secrets? I, well, people don't know where the pigs are. That's true. Okay. So there's that. Which, by the way, we got a sidebar about that because <laughs> those things stink. Oh, yeah, yeah. The neighbors are getting upset. So uh, we should probably have the pigs eat them. I mean, it really is a nice ecosystem we've developed for. Anyway. Compost our problems. Later, 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 later. So the case goes dormant for a bunch of years, but it gets renewed attention starting in 2012 when all of those various true crime shows start covering it. Things took a really interesting turn in 2018 when filmmaker Tyler Perry came forward in conjunction with the families and offered a $200,000 reward for any information that leads to a criminal conviction of Steve Calkins. This is a quote from Ben Crump the Williams and Santos family attorney who you might know from recent news. He's a lawyer in a bunch of Black Lives Matter stuff. Uh, Here's the quote. The last person to be with them that anybody witnessed was the then Collier County Sheriff's Deputy Calkins. These two young men disappeared off the face of the earth, and the last man to see them was this deputy. His stories were so inconsistent, so unbelievable, and even though he had all these inconsistencies, There were no charges brought. This lawsuit is going to formally say what people for the last 14 years have been informally saying, that he intentionally murdered Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos. Oof. Which, yeah, it seems like he did. But, unfortunately, nothing, it seems like nothing is going to come of this either. Because the case is still kind of going back and forth. But in December of 2020, an arbitration judge 
ruled that even though the facts in the case don't make Calkins look good, all the evidence is circumstantial and he can't be held responsible, which I get that in a criminal trial, but in a fucking civil trial, there's not enough evidence to hold him liable for this. Like, if nothing else, he was derelict at his work duties to the point that it killed both of these dudes. Like, once you arrest him, fucking take him to jail. Like, do your job and neither of these men are dead. It's terrible. Yeah, it's... But the the judge fucking agreed that there wasn't enough to charge him. The lawyers were... Florida? Yeah, go figure. Weird. The lawyers for the Santos and Williams family were informed that this would be the final decision unless an appeal was filed by a predetermined deadline. And somehow they fucking missed the deadline to file the appeal. They blamed it on COVID. This is December 2020. Like, we're like nine months into COVID by that point. I think we had the kinks in our new systems and processes worked out by then. But whatever reason, they didn't get that appeal filed. It's amazing how often lawyers miss deadlines like that, actually. Yeah, and it's so sad that it happened in this case. It happens a lot. And... So, yeah, in February of this year, a judge ruled that because that deadline was not met, families are entitled to no damages or reward from Steve Calkins. And they've said they're going to appeal, but who knows? And yeah, for the record, Steve Calkins has since moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which I found out when I, I Googled this story to see if there were any updates. And yep, he is still... Uh, fighting back news about him having murdered two people. He's still got lawsuits hanging over his head, but he also bought a house in Cedar Rapids in 2016. So seems like his life's not going that bad. I, so this is, this, this story upsets me so much. It's infuriating. Yeah. Like, especially like the first, the first instance is bad enough. Um, you know, I, with, with Santos, it's sad. It's frustrating. I could see why that as a standalone incident was not investigated more deeply. I can because it's like, okay, it's, you know, but, but six weeks later for this person to be connected to yet another disappearance, and a, how is, how is that not like, and especially an with that internal affairs investigation having happened, having happened in between the yeah. two, like the minute Terrence Williams goes missing, they should have been like, okay, what are you up to? We're pulling you from the rotation, but they did not. Yeah. It took until August for him to even be fired. I don't know if he was still working at that point. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, nothing's ever Nothing has ever come of this. Felipe Santos and Terrence Williams' bodies have never been found, but they were eventually declared to be dead because... Seven years, right? Yeah. Well, it must be less than that in Florida because I think it was five years afterwards. <laughs> Florida, they have less hope. Yeah. Florida, like, you can, oh, do, it. You can do it whenever. Yeah. That's a dead person. Yeah. You're not surviving in Florida on your own for five years. No. No. Uh, so, uh... Yeah, not a very upbeat episode. I'm not upbeat now. No, I no. my my beats are not up. Yeah, speaking of crazy cases where uh, uh, people of color are involved and the media doesn't latch on the way you would think they would, like this is this is that story. Like even even though it happened back in 2003, like when it came back. Like these lawsuits, like the the Tyler Perry thing. The write up I found on that was either in local outlets or the guardian which is a uk outlet like the media barely covered that part and that's a pretty big development in a case like that that you would think would generate some degree of national headlines but it didn't that's so sad it's pretty fucked up yeah yay america yay (sighs) hey at least we're not in russia right (laughs) hey yeah i wonder about that sometimes I don't know. I've watched that Russian dash cam video. I feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel pretty, I feel pretty lucky so far. Yeah. That part where the guy kept like the dash cam part where the, the, the guy's behind what looks like a DeLorean and he's honking at him and the door opens. The guy just gets out of his car and is holding an ax. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I don't want to go there. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. I, I feel good here. Okay. You know, people get shot here occasionally and ax is a, that's an emotional weapon. That's a, we're going to, I'm going to look you in the eye kind of weapon. 
Yeah, I I wouldn't if I got in any car and looked in the back seat and there was an axe, I get out. I don't care if nah. it's my wife's car. Like, why do you got an axe? You don't. I'm we gotta get out, honey. Yeah. You gotta go. We're gonna take separate cars to therapy. Yeah, oh, let's right now. talk about this from a distance. A distance, and that's only if it's not a throwing axe, because those exist. Dude, they exist. So anyway, that's our episode. I think. It's- Really fun. That this, was a fun one. That was um, a fun one. Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Don't get COVID. I'll tell you. I'm here to tell you, people, because I have not seen my husband in five days, and I won't see him for another five days. That sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Don't get COVID, everybody. I haven't been apart from my husband this long at all, since even since before we were married. Yeah. Ten days away from, like, your person is a long time, especially if you're also... <laughs> taking care of just one-on-one a four-year-old so good times two stars do not recommend but you know who's awesome adam adam's awesome hey yeah i don't have covid and i I don't plan on getting it good don't uh because i don't go anywhere anymore cool uh i don't have anything to plug don't get covid i have that don't get covid yeah don't get covid your vaccine you dink get your vaccine get a fucking flu shot yeah start taking vitamin d it's good for you even if it's yeah. not proven to take some fend fiber off COVID. too. Take clean some out those, fiber. Take clean out your your poo poo pipes. Take some vitamin C. Take some zinc. Take all. Listen, all that shit's take, good, no matter it's what. Good, whether you it helps with wrong. COVID or not, it's good. I remember, like during like dark lockdown times, um, I. I took a multivitamin and I sat there for like five minutes trying to figure out if I had already taken one. So then I had taken two and I was like vaguely panicking. And then it slowly dawned on me that I had been like putting away like three quarters of a bottle of wine a night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I think I'm good. Like, yeah. Of all the things, am I going to overdose on folic acid? Probably not. I mean, my pee was glowing for days. (laughs) But yeah, that was the that was a vitamin B. Yeah, take your vitamins, everybody. Stay safe. Your vitamins. Stay healthy. Do it. And uh, I think that's it. That's it. We Let's get it. out of here, Caitlin. Yeah. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. We love you.